tonight, but just for a few moments before we go into communion, I want to keynote not only this service and the communion service, I want to keynote this year for us. And I want to put this phrase in front of you as we go into communion and we go into this year. God has more, don't settle for less. God has more, don't settle for less. If, if we will live on less than God's best, that will happen. That will happen in our life. If, if, we're, if we're content to do that, it will occur. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you sick and tired of being half-hearted in things? The Bible talks about the trees dancing and clapping their hands. Are all your trees weeping willows? I mean, is it bad news in your life? You feel like malaise is happening? Are you running on empty? I tell you what, God has something different. If, if, you, if you will never receive God's best until you get sick and tired of the second best, until we move out of mediocrity. I, I wonder if God has a... I wonder if God has this lush, beautiful banquet prepared for us and we spend our time at the relish tray. And I think some of us have been nibbling at the relish tray and God has something more. So tonight I'm here to say as we go into communion, God has more. Don't settle for less. I want you to join me in Psalms chapter 68. And, and this is a chapter I'm going to be in for a few weeks. And verse number one, you're going to hear for just a few weeks. So just... Get used to the, in fact, get ready to memorize this, this one verse uh, of, of Psalm 68, verse number one. But before we go into it, let me just, let me give you some information. Psalm 68, by, by many scholars, is considered to be the most difficult psalm in all of the psalms to interpret. Scholars struggle with it. In fact, if you've got a print Bible, if you look, there are so many footnotes at the bottom of your print Bible like mine that'll say verse number, we're not sure if it means this, or we're not sure if it means that, and verse number 8, we're not sure, and verse number 11, and we're not sure. And Have, have you ever noticed that? S scholars consider Psalm 68 the, one of the most difficult psalms in all of the Bible to interpret, to understand. Why? Because interesting enough, there are words in Psalm 68, a large collection of Hebrew words used in this chapter that are not found anywhere else in the Bible. So there's not in another verse that they can check them by. In fact, they go into ancient literature and, and they've, they found very scant evidence of these words found anywhere else in, in ancient literature. So as they begin to interpret Psalm 68, the, the scholars are, are struggling. Does it mean this or does it mean that? Because we don't have any other evidence and these words are not found anywhere else in, in the Bible. I ask you a question. Are you ready for God to give you a new word? Are you ready for God to give you a new word? Are you, are, will you give space in your life for God to give and plant a new word in your spirit? Verse number one. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. So I'm, I'm going to tell you right at the beginning of this chapter, God is talking about his presence. You need to capture that. As I go through this month, remember... This chapter, Psalm 68, is about God's presence. If God's presence is elevated, if God's presence arises, if God arises, his enemies will be scattered. Now with that in mind, 
we're going to look at verse number 17. Now, I need to remind us, in the Old Testament, the motif of Old Testament writing is different from New Testament. New Testament, God speaks in proposition in the Greek concept, God is love. But in the Old Testament, it is always in picture form. New Testament, God is love. Old Testament, the Lord is my shepherd. They say the same thing. In the New Testament, it's always in propositional form. But always in the Old Testament, it is in, it is in picture form. But anytime God gives us a description, God gives us a prescription. If God is giving, if God is describing, God is prescribing. These are not just poetical words strung together. God has a message he is speaking to us in verse number 17. So join me. We're going to look at that one verse and unpack it. And I want to tell you, God has more. Verse 17, this is our text tonight. The chariots of God are ten thousands and thousands of thousands. What does that mean? God is about to scatter your enemies. God is about to, he's fully equipped. To scatter your enemies. How does how that happen? Notice again in verse number 17 how it closes. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. Again, I remind us God speaks in picture form. What is Sinai? Sinai, we find it in the Bible. We, we find it in the book of Exodus. It's the mountain that Moses goes up onto, and the Lord speaks to him out of a burning bush, and he said, who are you? And God says, I am that I am. That happens on Sinai. Sinai is the mountain of introduction. Sinai is that mountain that God introduces himself. It's an austere mountain. It's a mountain of trembling and fear. And and the Hebrew people were afraid to go up. They're not sure who is this God? Who is this one? And all Moses could say, I I just know this. He, He told me I am that I am. It's the mountain of introduction. But the Bible tells us that the Lord has moved from the mountain of introduction. He has moved from Sinai into his sanctuary. Where is God's sanctuary? He's speaking about Mount Zion. Mount Zion. Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the hills where the city of Jerusalem is today. I have been there. I'll be there in just a few weeks. I'm taking a tour of some 80 people. We're going to the Holy Land. And one of the things we will do is we will walk down uh, the, the, the Mount of Olives across the Kindred Valley. And we're going to see the ancient city of Jerusalem. The ancient walls are still there. And the highest point there and all the hills there, that is spoken of as Mount Zion. And the Bible says that God has moved from Sinai to Zion. He's moved from the mountain of introduction. God has moved to his sanctuary, the place of intimacy. If if, if you're going to have more of God, you've got to get past just the introductory level with God. You've got to get past just the Jesus loves me, this I know you got to get past knowing one verse in the Bible, and that's John 3, 16, and he turned the water to wine. That's so many believers, that's the only two verses they'll quote to me. 
I can drink my wine because Jesus blessed it and he loves me. I, you got to go past some of that. God wants to take us from introduction to intimacy. He's moved, the Bible tells us, from the Mount Sinai. And he's moved into his sanctuary, which brings to mind a doctrinal statement that's a part of Assemblies of God theology, a part of spirit-filled theology. Some of you don't know this, and I'm going to tell you right now. We have a doctrinal statement in the spirit-filled church that is referred to subsequence. Subsequence. Many of you have never heard of that before. Many of you have been in an Assemblies of God church all of your life. And you have never heard the word subsequent or subsequence. It's actually a part of our doctrinal statement. What is subsequent? Subsequent speaks of in a spirit-filled church to additional, to more, to a deeper life. We know Jesus loves you, but subsequent to that, God has more for you. That's, that, 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 that's in the DNA of a, of a spirit-filled church. We say here at Westover, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Now, before you go there and you misquote me, I'm not saying salvation 2.0. I'm not saying there's this low-level salvation and a high-level salvation. Now, we're not talking salvation. Once you're saved, you're saved. You, you, you can't get more saved than Jesus can save you. Are you with me? Are you with me? I'm not saying salvation. I'm not saying that, that God writes half of your name in the Lamb's book of life when you repent and then later on he writes. No, no, no. Jesus saves us and nothing. Salvation comes only by Jesus. You following me? But subsequent to making new is making great. God has more. God wants to do more. God wants to impart more. God wants to speak more. And subsequent means... That once you become a believer, once you go to the mountain of introduction, you journey to the mountain of intimacy with God. You desire more. You want to go further. You're saying, God, teach me more. God, show me more. God, speak to me more. God, do more. God, invest more. God, do something inside of me that's even more. And very briefly... Before we go into communion, I want to highlight, and they're in your notes in the app, what I'll call five levels of God's presence. Which level are you at? That's the rhetorical question tonight. Which level are you at? The first one I'll, I'll call availability of God. The Bible talks about God's omnipresence. God is available to all. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord. Yes. God is everywhere. God is here, but, but, but God is all over the world. God is, in, God is available to anyone. He's available to somebody in the worst, in prison, in, 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 in a club tonight, at home, in a living room, in, 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 a, in an intensive care. God's available to everyone. God is everywhere. That is the availability of God. But God doesn't want you to live just on the availability. This is the 911 philosophy with God. You know, 911 is available to every one of you tonight. 
but you don't call 911 up and just chat with them. Why? Well, how you doing, Lucy? I just wanted to know how things are going at the 911 desk tonight. By the way, did you know the Cowboys lost the game? And did you know that this happened? Did you know the weather? No, you don't get on the phone and just visit a 911. It's only available in crisis moments. And there's some people that want to live at 911, just the availability of God. These are the people that tell you, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. No, I, I can't tell you you have to go to church in order to go to heaven. I'm, I'm not going to say that, but you just told me where you, God, yeah, God's available all the time. You live at the lowest level of spiritual experience. Number two, there is the admirer of God. The admirer of God. Uh, these, are, these are the people that, that Eidelman calls in his book, they're a fan. They're not a follower, they're a fan of God. Oh, when things are good, great, God's good, God, you know, they, they're a fan of God, but if things are not going well, they don't have anything to do. If, if they can handle life on their own, they handle life on their own. And, and they, they call upon God at their own individual whim. I mean, it's like Spurs fans. When the Spurs are winning, guess what? The arena is full. But a few years back when they had some losing season, guess what? There were lots of times we'd watch a Spurs game at home. There were seats all over. Why? The fans stayed home. Because they only follow when it's winning. Yeah. They're, they're admirers of God. And there are some people that are secret admirers of God. You know, they, they don't want anybody to know it. This is what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 15. He says that you... You follow me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Yeah, they're just admire. I, I admire that. I, I, I see. I, that's nice that you go to church. That's, that's nice that you do those church things. And I, 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 I can respect that. And that's the language they use to, towards you. Then, number three, level of God. There's the appetite for God. This is what the Bible talks about in Psalm chapter 34. Taste and see. The Lord is good. Yeah. You know why some of you came tonight? Because you've tasted the Lord is good. Yeah. You, you, God's done something for you. God's touched you. God's deposited something. God's done something. You, you're convinced. You just, you know God is good. You've got an appetite for God. I, I remember uh, when I was a boy at home before I got married. You know, we never had rice. That's right. My dad was a meat and potato person. So at every meal, evening meal, we had supper together, there was meat and potatoes. Never rice. So I got married and niece said, you want some rice? No, I don't like rice. Well, how do you know you don't like rice? Because I never had rice. We, nev we, never, we never ate rice. My dad never had rice, so in our home, we never ate rice. So I just said, I don't like rice, but I never had it. But then he says, here, try this. 
And she made some rice. And she anointed it with mushroom gravy. <laughs> wow! Yeah! Rice on a plate. And then you baptize it with mushroom gravy. And I tasted rice with mushroom gravy. Oh, I have an appetite. I, I crave it sometimes. Sometimes I say, well, you make that rice with mushroom gravy. You know, it's so much so now I like rice. I can look at 40 acres of rice and tell you how much gravy it'll take to cover it. <laughs> That's how much I love rice. Ooh, it's good. I got an appetite for it. I came to San Antonio. They didn't have flan in New Mexico. I came here. You have, you have converted me to flan. Carne guisada. Oh, hallelujah, those tacos. I mean, think about it. Wow. What, carne guisada? I couldn't even pronounce it when we moved to San Antonio. Can't live without it now. Why? I have tasted it. And the Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. Just take a heartbreak to Jesus. Let Jesus heal the heartbreak. Let Jesus roll the stress of your life. Let the Holy Spirit invade your life. You'll get an appetite for God. An appetite for God. Oh, some, some people, God's available. 911. Some, they admire. Others have an appetite. It's a fourth level. Awareness of God. Jesus talked about these in Matthew chapter 7. People that ask, seek, and knock. Oh, they've, they've caught on to something. They move beyond the appetite. They have an awareness of God. Mm. They just sense it. They aware, they're aware. They, they sense it. They sense it, God. They sense God in their spirit. They sense God doing something. They sense, they sense something happening. What are you talking about? I'm talking about... I'm talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells me after the resurrection of Jesus, over 500 people witnessed him. Over 500. And Jesus said to the 500, go to an upper room. But only 120 made it there. Yeah. Yeah. The others, 380, they had cattle to tend to. Baskets to weave, crops to gather, stones to move, wares to put in the market. But there was 120 that had an awareness of God. God's up to something. Mm -mm. He's up to something. I, I put out on, on Facebook that we're going to start the men to join me in a, in a Daniel fast beginning the year. And guess what? Some of you have got into that. And I'm going to ask the team to go ahead and begin to distribute the communion elements. Would you go ahead and do that? Just hold on. I'll finish the message while they distribute. We can multitask for a moment, can't we? Yeah, and we can. Go ahead and distribute the communion elements. And I'll continue. Yes. And I put out a call for Daniel fast. But some of us had an awareness of God. Mm, it spoke to your spirit. Lydia over here said, Pastor, God's been speaking the same thing to me. And she spoke to me on Facebook. And she said, Pastor, I'm going to join you. Yeah. And others said, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm joining you. Why? An awareness of God. God, I, I, I don't 
Don't know everything, but I just, I'm aware. I'm sensing something. I'm talking about moving from the mountain of introduction to the sanctuary of intimacy. God has more. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. And number five, the fifth level, the fifth level of God's presence. I'm going to call it the aspiration to draw closer to God. You move beyond just God's available. Oh, I admire God, an appetite for God, an awareness of God. But there's some that have, have this, this passionate aspiration. I want to go closer. You know Jesus. You tithe. You serve God. You're going to pray. You're going to, you're going to serve God. You're going to go to heaven. But you have an aspiration to draw closer to God. You, you, you're wanting to go into his sanctuary. You're wanting to move past. That's what Psalm 63.1 says. You, God, are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. I thirst for you with my whole being longs for you. As a dry land is parched, the land where there is no water, I thirst, O God, for you. Psalm 63, verse 8. He says, I cling to you. The King James Version says, I follow hard after God. I follow hard after God. Your right hand will uphold me. That's what I'm talking about. I want to invite you to move from the mountain of introduction to the mount of intimacy. The Bible says that God, He went from Sinai and He went to His sanctuary at Zion. What level are you at? What, what are the five levels best describes your spiritual life now? I'm going to ask you in this communion service to make a commitment to go for more. I remember back a few years ago, some of you will recall when the, when the wave of God's glory was sweeping America in what was known as the Pensacola Revival. There was a theme song in the Pensacola Revival that was draw me close to thee oh that just summons something in my heart i can remember as a kid in church believers singing the hymn i am thine O lord i have heard thy voice and then they would sing together the chorus draw me nearer nearer blessed lord to thy precious bleeding side one of my favorite hymns, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is my, oh, what a foretaste. God, I, 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 I have this aspiration for your presence. It goes on to say, uh, lost in your love. Lost in your love. Are, are you willing or do you have a desire to get lost in, your, in his love? Have, have you ever had a sense of absolute wonder with God? wonder with God I came to tell you tonight God has more don't lose out don't lose out whatever mountain you're at wherever you're at whatever level go on to more